0: Good morning. good morning. All right, thanks for coming out this morning and join us for worship and God's word. And as Don mentioned earlier, just thank you for praying for my kids. Uh, Chrissy's on the way to her, the airport now to go grab them. So we are uh, very excited and very thankful for your guys' prayers and for the Lord's goodness to us. A um, Couple quick things. I know Don just went through announcements, so just bear with me. Uh, one is just uh, I wanted to introduce and say welcome to some very good friends of ours. Uh, Andy and Katie uh, Viriel are visiting, and they're in the back, and so we just want to welcome them and say hello, and they're... Uh, well, once you attend here, we always claim you. So they, they were with us a season ago, and God's led them different places, so they're visiting from Asawa for a couple of days. So we are blessed that they're here. Um, we're also, it's, you know, that dreaded PCS season. Different families are leaving this morning. We prayed for the Chase family. We prayed for Matt Haley. You guys know them. You can be in prayer for them. And for this service, we're going to be praying for the whelps. uh, They're going to be taking off on us as well. We love you guys. Um, Sharias and Aaron, thank you. Just, uh, yeah, we claim you forever. So uh, we'll be praying for you, even though uh, you won't be here. uh, We'll just stay in touch and see all the Lord's going to continue to do in you guys. All right. With that, uh, why don't we... Open our Bibles to the book of James if you have a Bible with you. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to let you borrow one if you like. You can raise your hand real high, and the ushers will be happy to let you borrow. And look, they already turned, they already turned to James for you. Most of you know, for us as a church, we're making our way through the Bible pretty much systematically. It's, just, it's book by book, it's chapter by chapter, and it's verse by verse. And so we happen to find ourselves this morning looking at the next set of verses, and so we're looking at verses five through eight. I entitled our message this morning, Got Wisdom, as James will talk about wisdom. It's not the only time he's going to talk about wisdom, and so we are going to talk about wisdom again uh, in a few weeks here, as he'll reapproach it in chapter three as well. But for our time this morning, this is where we're at. And if you're there with me, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of God and His Word. And just to stretch your legs a little bit, I'll read the scripture, I'll pray, we'll pray for the whelps as well. Of course, James, we were introduced a couple weeks ago, the half-brother of Jesus, inspired by God's Spirit, writing these words uh, to these believers who are going through some difficult times. And he now in verse 5 adds: if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, here's a qualifier, conditional, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For for let not that man, and of course we can include woman, that person, suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord since he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Short section, but a lot there for us, and so let's pray one more time. We'll ask God to help us to make sense, and we're going to pray for the the whelps as well. Father, we thank you for the morning. We are grateful for the rain, Lord. We know that the farmers and the crops, they need it, Lord. Vegetation and fruits and those things that are so good. Lord, just water to drink. We know your word describes it as your gift of grace uh, to your creation for both the believer and the non-believer. The rain falls upon the just and the unjust. And so, Lord, we're, we're grateful for the rain. And, Lord, uh, we're grateful for how you use it to bathe and just wash your creation. And, Lord, in many ways, Scripture uh, parallels that to what you do in our hearts by the water of your word, that we might be washed and we might be cleansed, Lord, as we read your Scripture as we then seek your uh, word and your spirit to apply the things that we lack. Lord, perspective, sometimes we just need to be able to see it as you see it. Lord, peace that would surpass understanding. Imagine some of us, we've walked in here and we're carrying a heavy load. There's a lot of things that are weighing upon our hearts and minds, worries and anxieties. And so Lord, help us to know what it means to, to cast our cares to you and experience a peace that you give us that surpasses understanding. Lord, for some of us, we just, there's some hurts, emotional, uh, spiritual, Lord, maybe even physical illness. God, we pray for your healing. Lord, for some, we need patience. Just, we're, we're at our wits' end, so to speak. We're frustrated. We're disappointed. Uh, Lord, we need patience, or perhaps we're waiting, God, just for something. And so, Lord, we pray you give us perseverance. And Lord, as we're encouraged this morning, we also thank you that you provide wisdom wisdom when we need it, Lord, and God, wisdom in every arena of life. And so we pray and we thank you that you are a great supplier. Lord, we lift up the whelps to you. We thank you for Aaron and Sharice, all that you've been doing in their life, their marriage, this season. Lord, uh, you're the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And Lord, you're the same here in Okinawa as you will be uh, their next duty station. And just pray that you would bless them, help them find a great community and church to plug into, continue to grow. And uh, Lord, we're grateful for our church family. We ask and pray this together in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, would you take a moment and say hello to someone real quick, and then you can have a seat. Anyone here? Um, if you're like me, do you actually you like commercials and you're willing to admit it? Willing to go on record? All right, all right. Yes. Only had one person for first service, so I don't know about that. We had to pray for first service. No. Uh, I'd say I, I maybe I should qualify. I used to like commercials. I don't uh, I don't watch a lot of TV nowadays, and um, yeah, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot that's edifying anymore on t- television, but. But I, I used to like good commercials. I liked those commercials that were kind of clever and crafty, some catchy. Some of you guys know my story. I, I grew up mostly here. I was born here. My mom was in Okinawa and my dad was in the military. So I was a military kid here in Okinawa. And, and back in my day, uh, a couple years ago, we only had one channel uh, on base. There was only one American channel. It was Channel 8. It was called FEN, uh, and, and we used to nickname it the Forced Entertainment Network. And it came on at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it signed off at midnight. And that was it. And I remember as a young kid just being angry because Saturday morning cartoons was only two hours, and then it was the wide world of sports, and often it was golf. And I was like, what is this? And so <laughs> uh, so no commercials at all for me as a kid growing up. It was just bulletin board announcements. Think OPSEC. Uh, here's the Scotia Bowl hours and events at the USO. That was the content of commercials uh, for me, as a kid, so uh, when I moved stateside and even my college years, uh, I had a whole childhood of commercials to make up for, and so my friends would think I'd, I was weird to go to their house and I'm like flipping for commercials, and uh, watching these, and uh, and at that time, some of you might remember uh, there was a series of commercials that I really enjoyed. They were made by the U.S. Milk Board, and they were called the Got Milk campaign. You remember those? Anybody remember those? A couple of you, okay. And so they're very entertaining. And what it had was it usually depicted someone, some character in some type of crisis or mini crisis, some kind of a dilemma. In order to get out of their dilemma, they needed milk. That was the whole idea of it. And as they got to the end of their dilemma, their crisis, they had none, right? They came to the end, and realized they didn't have any. And so the commercial then ended with this tagline, got milk. That was the idea uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can Google it later, later, okay? Um, in our series here in James, one of the first issues that James addresses after he introduces himself briefly is crisis and trials. He, he talks about how we come into these various trials. Now, James obviously isn't making a commercial, and he certainly isn't writing to entertain us, his original audience or us as the reader, But he is talking about trials and crises. He is talking about dilemmas of life, the nitty gritty, if you will. And that all of us experience it's rough roads, it's tough times, it's hard hits, and it's heavy hearts. And, And all of us experience those kind of things, right? Trials and tribulations are a part of life, period. But what he offers for us as followers of Christ is a prescription a prescription that we can triumph through and over our trials. And it begins with a lens in which we get to look through when he says, hey, we should consider, consider it all joy. Now, we looked at it and said, no way can we do that by ourselves. Uh, That's not natural for us to equate trials and troubles and put an equal sign and say, I enjoy that. And James isn't asking us to do that. What he, what he is asking us to do is to look at those obstacles as opportunities for us to trust God in a greater way. And when we do, we can experience joy. That God is working, that God has made a promise. I told you last week that when, when we come into saving faith in Christ, the gospel should change everything about our life. It should change the way that we look at our marriage. It should change the way that we look at parenting. It should change the way that we look at our season of singleness, our, our times of courtship. If you're in that place, you're dating someone. It, it, it should change the way we look at our finances, the priority of our time and our talents and our treasures. Like everything is impacted by the gospel. We, we're to look through it through that lens, including then when we go through hard times including then when we're hurting and we're suffering and, and, you know, when we've just been sucker-punched. The gospel changes our perspective when we go through those things. And so the opening verses for us directed us to that perspective. Understand that God is working. Know that there's a process in which God is taking you through, and at times it hurts, and it's painful, and it's it's terrible. And there's times we're like, we want to get out of this, But the lens is, okay, God's allowed this to happen. He has a plan and a purpose through all of that. And he's even promised that on the backside of that, at the end of that, there's going to be something good. That he's producing something of quality in our life and through our life. And we describe it in a variety of ways. God's building our faith muscles. You know, these These light and momentary afflictions, Paul says to the Corinthians, are working for us an eternal weight of glory. And so we have these, Peter calls them very precious promises the Lord has given to us. Uh, God is making us like Christ. All these puzzle pieces of our life, sometimes they don't seem like they fit, but the picture in the box is Jesus. He's making us Christ like. That's the work that the Spirit does in your life and mine. And God uses troubles often does, as the tools to make us like the Lord. Now, James brings us now in this set of verses to a question that we can ask when life's variable troubles come our way. And the question is, got wisdom? It's in these next verses that James explains, well, what's understood. That just as God doesn't waste your tears and your pain and all of those things that you go through, uh, neither should we. (laughs) Neither should we. And so there's wisdom to be had. There's wisdom to be found. There's wisdom to be received before and during and even after All of these things that we go through. And so this morning, I want to walk through these verses with you. As we've done before, we're going to pull them apart. And if you're new, welcome. Just kind of way that we do things. And I I hope that we'll glean some wisdom from what James has to say about wisdom. All right? So we'll begin when he says, if any of you lack wisdom. (laughs) If any of you lack wisdom. That sentence is a conditional clause. It begins with if. If there's a situation, there's a condition, if there's a time in your life, a place where you don't have the wisdom that you need. Uh, has anyone ever found themselves in a place that you wanted wisdom? or you recognize that you needed wisdom? Well, hopefully all of our hands would go up. I imagine that's all of us. I'd say in love it's a very prideful soul that would say, "Ah, eh, I don't need wisdom. I have all the wisdom that I need. And so the opening of these verses It forces us just for a moment, we pause to take inventory. If you're lacking it, this is what you can do. And so the question is, what's your current supply? Are you missing anything for the task that's before you? Are you missing anything for for what you are in or maybe what you're going to be going into? We do that every day in our life. We kind of take inventory before we head out. I got my keys, I got my phone my spouse put gas in the car? You ever find yourself somewhere and you're like, oh no, I don't have what I need. It reminds me of this biblical account in 2 Kings chapter 3, this coalition of forces. It's the king of Israel and the king of Judah. Normally they didn't get along, but they want to go fight this other guy, the king of um, Moab. And so they actually get another guy, the king of Edom. And so those three, they get their forces And they're going to like, we're going to, you know, surprise him. And so they walk through the desert. If you know the account, you remember seven days they get in, they're looking around like, hey, where's the agua? And then the guys are like, no, say, we don't, there's, we don't have any. And they're like, oh no, now what do we do? We're one week into this death march in the middle of the desert. We got no water. Then they're like, oh, maybe we should pray. Yeah, you should have prayed on the front end, right? Sometimes we, we get out ahead of the Lord, right? We, we didn't ask Him for wisdom and find ourselves without resource. And so really the question begins for us is we just take inventory. What, what do I need? And really what James is bringing us to is that this is something we all need. We all need in order to, to navigate the storms, in order to succeed and flourish in this trek that we call life and following the Lord. So it begins for us with this, recognizing first and foremost that wisdom is something we need. Wisdom is something we need, and I'll qualify, godly wisdom is something we need. We all need. We all need, whether you're an older person or a younger person. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the Lord. If you've, uh, you know, newly come to faith or if you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, guess what? I think you would admit, right, we all need wisdom regardless of your season of life or your station of life. If you're single, you're married, you're a parent or you're not yet, uh, you need wisdom. We need wisdom. And regardless of education and your bank account and, you know, your rank or whatever, uh, beginning with the fact to recognize, okay, I I need godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom. And we're going to see in a moment that wisdom like grace is something that God offers. It's a gift that he wants to give us, but we have to receive it by faith. Now, verse 5 is a verse that I have quoted many times. Perhaps you have too. It's a verse that's been highlighted in my Bible from uh, many years ago. And it's a great verse to know. It's a great verse to memorize. It's a great verse to pray through and meditate upon. The truth of this, that if we're lacking wisdom, we can ask of the Lord and God wants to give it to us. And I would say to you that certainly the application of that, the truth of that, can be applied wide, broad. That that we could take verse 5 and through 8 and pull it out and just set it on its own. And it has enough uh, of its own legs, if you will. The application can apply to all kinds of areas of our life in your home and outside of your home, in your career path, in your schooling, for the future, in conversations and relationships, right? We need wisdom in all of those things. And so I would even say it should be applied broadly to every area of our life, recognizing that this is something we need and we can ask God and it applies to every area of our life. However, while that is true, for us to be good Bible study students, we need to remember that James includes this along with his conversation about trials. We want to make sure we keep the text within the context, and that's very important. The context is experiencing joy and triumph over trials. The context is for us to have the ability to look at hardships that come our way as God's means to build our faith. The context is that God has a plan and a purpose, and it's not a cliche, it's absolutely true. God has a plan and purpose for your life and even the hard things that you go through, both in the process You're struggling through that, or you're waiting on that. You're wondering what's going on. How long, oh Lord? God's working in the waiting. And God has promised you there's going to be a final product. Good things that God has for you. And James basically is adding this idea. If you can't see that now, if you don't fully understand that now, you can ask God for wisdom to grab a hold of that. See, we need wisdom before and during and after even our trials so that we can learn in the midst of and extract from these experiences. Like last week I told you, and earlier I even said, God doesn't, God doesn't waste your pain. Your tears and your struggles and all the things that you've gone through, the Lord doesn't waste that. God wants to use those things, leverage those things. But I I would add this, though sometimes we do, though. God doesn't want to waste it, but sometimes we can. We can think little of those things. We, We can go through a challenging season and some hardships and some struggles and find ourselves, and I have at times, we come out the other end of that, and I don't think that I'm better. I think I'm a little bitter. I'm kind of angry. I'm flustered and I'm frustrated and I begin to ask, like, Lord, why did you allow me to go through these things? Why me? Why not? Why not him? Why not them? And I'm shaking my fist at the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't deserve this. And that experience then, I, I've lost the opportunity to glean from it. At least in that moment, I just feel more I'm defeated and deflated and And maybe you've been there, and maybe you know people that have been there. To the extreme, what happens, they're angry, and they become embittered, and then they just bail. They walk away. They detach from fellowship. They don't want anything to do with it. They blame God. They blame the church. They blame the Christians. They blame the pastor. And then they just quit. And if we find ourselves in that place, listen, we will miss out on the lesson Although it might be a hard one, but a lesson that God wants to teach us. And why? Well, it's because we lacked wisdom to understand before and in and after. That's a good question to ask ourselves. But what's the lesson you're wanting to teach me here? What is it about myself? What what is it about your character, your goodness? Lord, what's the lesson you have for me? And and so, what James is saying, if we're not sure, guess what? We can ask the Lord. We can pray for it. We can ask God to give us that insight, give us that wisdom. We can grow. And by the way, I think that you know wisdom is not just defined as information. I think sometimes we equate those two, but they're not necessarily the same thing. It's not just merely knowing data and facts. I know people, so do you, right? They're really smart, we'd say they're brilliant, they're highly intelligent, but man, they're not very wise. <laughs> They've made some foolish decisions. Some of you are like, why would you do that? And yet we kind of call upon you, know, you're like, man, you're pretty smart, but you did something dumb. So knowing things isn't necessarily being equal to being wise. The biblical definition is God would define wisdom for us, and there's a lot to be said. Again, we're going to come back to this topic. I'll define it this way. It's knowing what God says is right and then doing. (laughs) Then doing what God says is right. It's knowledge applied in its simplest definition. Wisdom is knowledge applied, godly knowledge, and applied in the right way. So it's knowing what the Lord's will is, what's God's way, and then us then faithfully doing that. That's wisdom. That's what God wants us to know. That's what God wants us to have. Again, James is going to come back to this in chapter 3 because he's going to talk about how God's wisdom is very different from man's wisdom. God's wisdom is very different from worldly wisdom. And so we'll have another topic about those two. We'll compare and contrast those things. But let me just offer a couple supporting ideas here. For us then to recognize that we need it, if we're lacking wisdom, and we can define that as if we're lacking godly wisdom, that means we don't have that. And so we take inventory. Okay, this is what I need. I admit that in humility I need this. And beyond that, it then also means that we're not depending upon our own wisdom like we say, okay, well, I I think I got enough wisdom. I think I I know what to do here. But we're not leaning upon our own understanding as the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, your whole being, and lean not upon your understanding, but in all your ways, in every arena of life. Acknowledge the Lord, and He'll make your path straight. Sometimes we rely upon our own wisdom or... Sometimes we, I don't know about you, but I, I'm guilty of this. I'll Google things before I even ask God sometimes. Like Google becomes my source of wisdom. What well, can be a source of knowledge. The world loves to offer its own form of wisdom, its own brand of wisdom. How many of us found ourselves in that place? We're reading blogs, self-help, psychology, what other people say. And have you found, I found, right... There's people who have all kinds of opinions about stuff, about what you should do, like what bottles you should have and diapers, and then you know where you should put your money and whether you should put cryptocurrency and, you know, I mean just all manner of things. You can find all kinds of different wisdom. But gang, where, where if you if you name the name of Jesus Christ this morning, where are you? Where am I? Where are we turning in our in our times of need? What source are we going to? Sometimes we go to these other sources, we don't even bother to ask the Lord. So we we should not lean upon, depend upon our own wisdom. And secondly, what's understood here is that the primary source of God's wisdom is God's word. It's God's word. Wisdom, godly wisdom comes directly from God's word. It's revealed in his word. It centers upon the person of Jesus Christ, our relationship with the Lord. Paul says of Christ in Colossians 2 that it's in Christ who are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's the Holy Spirit that then leads us and guides us, reminds us of things that Christ has said, illuminates the Word and illuminates our hearts. It's His Word and His Spirit that then allows us to see. It's a light to our path and a lamp to our feet of where we should go. Where do I go, Lord? This is the way. And so we recognize the need and it's not that we depend upon our own. And then we know the source. He, James tells us very plainly, let, let him ask of God. Let her ask of God. Let you, if you need, if you recognize your need, where do you go? Don't go to Google. <laughs> go to God. For lacking in this very vital resource, James says, here's where you can go and get it. Now, what we often take for granted, and maybe for them as the early church of being Jewish believers, like the letter of Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews explains so well, you can just go directly to the Lord. You don't have to go through a priest or a system or some intermediate. You don't have to schedule an appointment wherever you are, whenever you need, you can ask the Lord. You can ask of God. That we don't need, then, this intermediate. We don't need a priest or or a pastor. Now, let me me qualify that, though. I'm not saying it's wrong to seek wise counsel from people that uh, God has placed in our lives, that are godly, that love the Lord. For some of you, that might even be your own parents, and I envy you if you have that brothers and sisters, people who've walked with the Lord. And granted, we can glean wisdom even from those who are younger in the Lord. As Paul would tell Timothy, hey, this is how you demonstrate your maturity, how you conduct yourself, and your faith, and your handling of the Word, and your love for people, walking in wisdom. And so it's not to say that we shouldn't and can't do that. I mean, when Scripture says there's wisdom that's found in a multitude of counselors and And I think I know for me the most, one of my most, some of my most um, foolish decisions have been one where I've just counseled me. (laughs) What do you think, Rick? Oh, that's a good idea, let's do it. (laughs) Yes, you know, all in favor, aye. (laughs) So I'm not saying that, but what I am saying though, is the scriptures tell us plainly that you and I can go directly to God. That we can uh, go boldly into his throne room and find help and find wisdom, find mercy, all that we need and in our time of need. um, When my wife, well, actually when we we get to travel stateside, my wife likes to go to these certain restaurants now. She's become a little bougie. Uh, I'm still like, hey, Carl's Jr., in and out. But anyways, uh, (laughs) sorry, I know it's lunchtime, I'm sorry. she likes these places that they advertise from farm to table, you know, like from farm to table. It's like, ah, oh, that's where I want to go. I'm like, all right, that's a lot of money, so I, you know, whatever. But listen, we, we can go directly to the manufacturer. It's, it's from heaven to table, if you will. It's from heaven to your heart. It's from heaven to your head. And just go straight to God, right to the Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I, I need wisdom in that. It's Peter who tells us that that as his divine power has provided us all things that pertain to this life and godliness, provided through the knowledge of God, provided through the knowledge of Jesus who's called us uh, by his glory and into virtue. And so we can ask of the Lord. Of course, we have to recognize that's the source. When we're talking about asking of God, that God then is the source of the wisdom that we need. We're talking about godly wisdom. And it begins with then the knowledge of God. And so many verses say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. Proverbs 1.7. You know how I, I rephrase that for me? The, the application for me, the application is that the first wise thing and the best wise thing that you and I can do is to ask God for wisdom. (laughs) Just start there. The wisest thing we can do is to ask God for wisdom. You need wisdom? Yes. Then ask God for wisdom. (laughs) The wisdom to ask God for wisdom. And and for all of life's trials and curveballs. I have to say, I I, I thought that once my kids are out of the house that my worrying as a parent would change. Oh, it did change. It increased. (laughs) It's just, it's a whole new different form. It's not like, okay, you know how we would worry about them when they're younger and then toddlers and then elementary and then high school making decisions. Now it's a completely different kind of worry about them driving, you know, long distances by themselves and the choices they're making. Uh, Christy watches their bank account. What are they spending their money on? That kind of thing. In every arena of life, I found myself, Lord, I I need wisdom. (laughs) How to engage, how to lead, how to... It never ends. Here's how I've applied this in my life nowadays. I ask this question, Lord, is this wise for me in this season? And it's been a great... It's been just, Lord, is this wise for me in this season? Because sometimes you may think, oh, that's, it's a good thing. It's an edifying thing. But it may not just be right now. Right? We've talked before, right? But sometimes the Lord says no, but it's not no forever. It's just no for now. And wisdom then allows us to know, okay, God is in control then. Lord, I yield to you. You're working even in the waiting. You're working through the toughest of trials and the hardest of times. You're working. And I understand, okay, there's a blessing at the end. There's a benefit through the battles that we go through. And what happens? Maybe you've experienced this. Wisdom begets wisdom. You put yourself on a path to seek wisdom, it begets wisdom. And the scripture tells us that. Proverbs chapter 9 says, instruct a wise person, they become wiser still teach a righteous person, and they increase in their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of God is understanding. So it begins with understanding the Lord is the source, and we can ask for it, and guess what? It can be multiplied. And what else? He goes on to say, and God will give to you. You ask of the Lord, and he'll give to you generously, liberally, and without reproach for all who ask. And I love that part of that verse. You know what that means about our God? He is generous. That is the nature of our Heavenly Father. He loves you with an everlasting love. Even when we blow it, and we do, and we make mistakes, and we do, and we make bad decisions, and guess what you do and I do? But God is loving, and He's gracious, and He is generous. He is the giver of all good things. And notice James places an emphasis on the manner of God's giving. He gives to all liberally, generously. Many years ago, when I was, uh, in my early years of college, sorry, this is my notes, I just thought of it. Bonus for second service. Uh, I worked at a mall. And so, you know, we often ate just the food core of the place. And, and I learned this trick that uh, if you were friendly to the person that was making your food, right, if you could see them and I'd read their name tag, I'm like, hey, hey, Bob, how are you doing today? They often would often give you more. <laughs> and so I, I just, I'm like, this is my trick. I just engaged a person. You just kind of be friendly to them and they would give very generously. And so sometimes I come back and they're like, hey, how did you get that? I'm like, you just got to be nice to Bob. That's the... You know. <laughs> Listen, God is generous. He does not hold back. Uh, And and even for me, like my kids, uh, my definition of myself is frugal. My kids have a a different word they use uh, stingy. (laughs) Uh, But I'm like, no, I want to be minimalistic. I want to be faithful. I want to be a good steward. So I'm like, how much do you need down to the exact amount? Like oh we need this much I'm okay I give them like all right give me back my change and where's the receipt I'm gonna audit you right now and make sure you got me change right. God however if I can say it this way not be uh, disrespectful God is ridiculously generous more than we can ask or think exceedingly and abundantly those are the those are the uh, adjectives that the you know describes our Lord or adverbs or whatever they are. I remember one time we were at this conference and there's some Bible college students that were there and uh, the hosting church had put out all these donuts. And so we had showed up and then there was a break and so I'm standing there with the, these Bible college students and they're just staring at the box. And I'm like, hey, are you okay? They're like, can we have a whole donut? I'm like, yeah, you can have, have as many as you want. And uh, they're all getting excited. You know, it took like two or three and later I found out, well, at the school, what happened was the director would cut the donuts into fourths, and they were rationed. They could only have two fourths, so they could only have half a donut. So they walked up, I mean, as simple as the of thing, they could have a whole donut? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> have two or three, have at it. Listen, God doesn't ration his wisdom. He doesn't say, okay, you can come, uh, but I'm only going to give you two quarters. So spend them wisely. <laughs> We can come and ask of the Lord and God will give all liberally. And notice this phrase, another qualifier without reproach, another descriptor without reproach. You know what that means? No shame. We don't have to feel guilty. God doesn't, like, sometimes I, with my kids, they'll come and they'll say, can I have a thousand yen? I'm like, what, what did I, I just gave you a thousand yen. What happened to the thousand yen I gave you last month? You know, so. <laughs> Weren't you just here? <laughs> what am I, a bank? Right? The Lord doesn't say that. The Lord doesn't ask those of us. That ask that of us. God never makes us feel guilty. Or we don't have to be ashamed of saying, oh Lord, I, I need this. No, there's a standing invitation that you and I can go to the Lord time, all the time, for any need, as often as you need. All the time, anytime, as often as you need, for any need that you have. God says, I, I will give it to you. And without reproach, we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be like, Lord, I, I'm so lacking in this. Well, there's a part where that's humility. The question I have, and James doesn't necessarily unpack this, but we can park for a second and just ask, why, why don't we do that though? If this is the offer of the Lord, if this is the grace of God in your life, that He wants to give you these things, then, then why is it that we don't access that? What is it about me and you that we don't tap into this? I have some thoughts. Maybe you can relate. I'll speak for myself. Sometimes is because we we think what the world offers is better. Or we like it better. Because we don't like the idea of dying to ourselves. We don't like the idea of having to humble ourselves and apologize to that person. Or to admit that we're wrong. Or to die to our flesh because we're selfish. Or sometimes we just think, well. What the world offers is better value. Or if we're really honest, there's times we're not really wanting to know what God says. We're just wanting an echo chamber. Someone to say, yeah, I like that idea. You should do that. And sometimes we're not asking God because we already know the answer. (laughs) We already know he's not going to endorse that plan. He doesn't want to bless your sin or your disobedience. No matter how we might mask it or present it, we might fool other people, but we can't fool the Lord. And so we think, oh, well, I want God's blessings, but I'm not really going to go God's way. I've seen it a lot of times. I'll be the first to admit that I've been guilty of this at times, especially when it deals with the matter of the heart. And people come and they'll ask for counsel. And I'll say, okay, well, here's what the Word of God says. Not my opinion. Not what the, the wisdom or the convention of the world would say. And certainly it's at odds often as to what God says. And so we'll read it we'll acknowledge it. And then all of a sudden they're like, yep, well, I don't want to do that. All right, then. <laughs> and God God has plenty to give if we're sincere that's really where James takes us next if you're not doubting and I would add this God knows our needs even better than we do See, the ask of the Lord is the idea that we set aside our own wisdom and we're going to receive and do what God says and sometimes he knows our needs well not sometimes God knows our needs always better than we do He's generous, and he'll supply according to your needs. But you ever find yourself in a place where you didn't really know what you needed? Like, Lord, I don't know what I need. i just something. Help. (laughs) Or sometimes, again, if you're like me, we think we need this. (laughs) We, We think, oh, if I just had this, then, Lord, I'll be really good. This promotion or this next duty station, or this relationship, or this thing, or, or whatever it may be. We, sometimes we think, oh, if I, this is what I need, if I have, and if I can get this, then I'll be, I'll be good. And so wisdom, godly wisdom at times is just then yielding to the Lord's plans. What's the wise thing for me to do here? Not insist on my way. Yield to the Lord's way. Many seasons ago, for me, that uh, was—I faced that crossroads when I was working at Nike and was doing well, and got invited to apply for this particular position, but I didn't get it. And you know, and pun intended—I thought I was a shoe in. You know, so it didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, I was disgruntled. I was disappointed. I was like, Lord, why wouldn't you give this to me? Well, God's wisdom is greater than man's. That season of then just being where I was allowed me then to be discipled by these other guys. It opened the door for me to move here, and I wouldn't go back and trade that. I'm grateful. God knew better than I did. And so there are times where the Lord says, no, not yet. I have a different door for you. I have a different path for you. I have a different assignment for you. I have a different relationship for you. And wisdom for us is then to yield to the Lord. Sometimes we think we know what we need. It's like the man in Acts chapter 3. We're told that he was born crippled, lame from his birth. Every day he's placed at the gate. And it happened to be that that day Peter and John walk by. They see this guy and they engage him Peter even says, hey, look at me. And and the scripture says the man was expecting to receive something. Well, he's going to get something, but it's not what he's thinking he needs. He's there and he's depending upon the the kindness and the charity of people to give him money. And so Peter sees him and says, my paraphrase, hey, Vato, I don't have denarii. Silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk. See, that guy thought he just needed more money. What did he need? He needed his life changed. Peter reaches out his hand and picks him up, and he does something he's never done before. He walks. He goes into the temple. He's praising the Lord. See, sometimes we think, oh, I just need this. I need more of this, or I have this particular thing. And the Lord says, no, I got something else for you. And so the Lord knows our needs better than we do, and wisdom is then to yield. And then James adds, but let him ask in faith. Here's another qualifier. If you you lack wisdom, you can ask of God, but here's another qualifier, ask in faith with no doubting. It's another conditional clause. While we can come to the Lord, God wants to give generously, abundantly, for every area of your life, every season of your life. But if we're going to come to him, we've got to ask in faith. And the idea of faith is, well, believing that the Lord is. Again, Hebrews gave us a great definition. In fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. We have to believe that God is, and guess what? God is a rewarder. God is a blesser of those who, who seek him as such. Faith is to believe and trust that God can supply all of your needs. And the asterisk is, according to God's will? Sometimes we think, well, I want God to supply all my wants. The Lord in His grace, because He knows what we need better than we do, sometimes He won't necessarily give us our wants. God's not just some genie in a bottle that we, you know, all right, give me this. In fact, if we're really honest, if we want to be really theological, we don't deserve anything. I've shared this story with you before. I, I told first service. I got until I can find a better one. I'll just use, re, just reuse this one. <laughs> my kids were in the car. They're all complaining about you know food one time, and they started having this chant together. We deserve McDonald's. We deserve McDonald's. So my wife, my wife got fed up and turned to them and said, "You deserve death." You know, <laughs> like, doctrinally correct. Uh, I don't know about, you know, being a good mom that day, but that's us, right? We think, oh, we deserved it. No, no, we don't deserve anything. Well, we come to the Lord in faith, trust the Lord. And again, even when God says no, trust the Lord. And so here's, how I wanted to phrase it. Listen, we, we ask in faith, we're confident of God's ability. God can. And yet at the same time, we're yielded to God's discretion. What God wants to do. And the idea without doubting, by the way, too, it's not our time. I don't have all the time to fully unpack this, so um, bear with me. This doubting isn't the doubting that we, uh, I would say, we all can struggle with from time to time. And I would say it's part of our normal process uh, uh, of growing in, in the Lord. Looking at situations say, can God really do this? Yes, the Lord can. And we struggle with that. I mean, even John the Baptist, I find a lot of encouragement in him. Like He comes on scene when he sees Jesus, Right? he's bold, he's direct. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I have to decrease, he needs to increase. I'm not worthy even to untie his his sandals. Fast forward, John the Baptist is in jail, standing up for what's true. He sends two of his own disciples to Jesus with the question, are you really the Messiah? Like, whoa, what happened there? And, and Pete and Jesus, excuse me, in his grace doesn't rebuke John, doesn't be like, hey, you tell that guy what's wrong with you. He says, no, just confirm with him all the things he believed, it's true. And, and the blind see and the lame are being healed, like affirm to John that he was on the right track. And Jesus even gives him great accolades. There's no one greater born of, I tell you, there's no one greater born of women. We can have doubts. It's okay. I told you before, even Thomas, when he's there in the upper room, well, he missed out first Sunday, right? He missed out. You see him in the week. They're like, hey, Jesus showed up. He's like, I don't believe it. I want to see. He shows up the next week, and Jesus is like, all right, go ahead. He's not afraid of our questions and our doubts. He welcomes them. Jesus invited him. Go ahead. You can touch me. So it's not that brand of doubt. We we have these doubts. This brand of doubt, James describes for us. It's it's asking uh, like a double-minded person. Verse eight. For he's like for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. And then he says, let not that person think they're going to get anything from the Lord. The picture is a picture of a person who is unsure of God's ability, who is questioned, who questions the wisdom of God and or is unwilling to surrender to God's will, who when they hear it, they're like, I don't know if I want that, as though it's one option of many, and they can just kind of choose. It's to have a, sorry, it's kind of have the, you know, this Burger King mentality, Burger King's old slogan, right? You can have it your way. We, we approach the Lord sometimes in that mentality. Oh, I'll just kind of take what I want. To be double-minded means to, there's an unwillingness to receive and to heed what God says. And what happens? He paints this picture. It's, you, you will live a stormy life. It's unstable. It's a cycle of chaos just being tossed around by circumstance. I don't know about you, but I don't want, I don't want that kind of life. And sometimes it's people that they, they'll come, they'll ask, what does God want? But they're not asking sincerely. Or they'll receive clear instruction, but then they don't do it. And what happens? Crazy train. Round and round we go. It's emotional turmoil. It's drama. It's a cycle of sin, of hurts and wounds and all these things. You know, James James includes this illustration of waves and wind in the sea, and it's a picture of a storm. And for us in Okinawa, we get it, right? It's a typhoon. That's the idea. Jesus used the same imagery when he's talking about wisdom in Matthew chapter 7. And he makes this statement, and he says, there is a wise person and there's a foolish person. And he describes the wise person in Matthew 7. These builders who are building. Who one person built their house upon a rock, another person built their house upon a sand, the sand, and here comes this storm. And here's what Jesus says in his commentary. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, I liken them to the wise man. And then he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they're like the foolish person. Who built their house upon the sand. And then the storm came and crashed that house and great was its fall. The difference between those two isn't the person who heard the words of Christ. The difference is the application. It's doing them. And so a double-minded person is a person, in the original Greek, it's the idea of being double-hearted, double-souled. Jesus says you can't serve two masters think that we can have one foot in the Lord and one foot in the world and try to have the best of both worlds. See, with God, it's an all-or-none deal because he loves you. He's jealous for you. He wants what's best for you. And we are foolish then to think, oh, I'm going to do it my way. Can people like God's ways when it benefits them? And so James basically tells us, listen, God's, here's God's terms. It's all or none. Don't think you can just kind of sprinkle a little bit of God's wisdom on your activities or have God's ways as kind of a, compart, uh, you know, just a compartmentalized or you just as a side dish. James says, hey, don't be surprised when you get nothing. Don't let that person expect they're getting anything from the Lord. Because God is not honored by that. God doesn't want to be treated as one option of many. Here's an illustration I I thought. It's like having one foot on the down escalator and one foot on the up escalator. Eventually that's going to hurt, right? (laughs) That's not going to go well for you. (laughs) The guaranteed result is pain and discomfort. So let me close here because I'm I'm going to beat this bell. The noon bell. Let me just make a point from the inverse of what James is saying. James is saying, listen, if, if we're asking the Lord and we're not sincere, then you can't, experience, you can't expect that you're going to have stability or security or peace. The opposite is that if we do come to the Lord and we're sincere and we're humble, we're like, Lord, I, I need wisdom. What is wise for me today in this season? You and I will experience the peace that we need, the stability that we need, even in the midst of hard things, when we are most sure that God is good. And we ask God to help us to understand God, give me wisdom to navigate this storm. And when we do, guess what? We experience His peace. We experience stability. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is steadfast on him because you trust in him. Church family, I pray that we'll trust in him. Recognize we need wisdom for every arena of our life. God loves to give you generously. Let's not lean upon our own understanding. And so the question we can ask is, got wisdom? Let's pray. Father, we thank you Help us to recognize our need. Lord, forgive us for running ahead of you. Forgive us for thinking we got got it all figured out. Lord, help us to ask in faith to trust, Lord, that you know exactly what we need. And Lord, even faith to yield when it isn't necessarily what we would do, the way we would go, the way that we'd want to go. But Lord, we would yield to you, that we wouldn't doubt that we wouldn't unnecessarily create turmoil and chaos for our life. But Lord, we want to experience your peace. We want to experience what it means just to be stable and sure-footed. And so may we keep our minds steadfast on you, our prayer life, our worship life, the things we go through, and that we can experience your peace even through some hard storms in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church family. Hey, I love you guys.